A podcast we'd like you to check out is Two Girls, One Film, Amelia, The Loser, and Rose, Who Made Me Call Her That, watch one film and discuss said film as well as other non-related topics. Cocktails are involved. You can find Two Girls, One Film on SoundCloud. Just look for Two Girls, One Film. Oh, but if you'll pardon me, it's easier to say go out and die than it is to do it. It's easier to say it than to watch it happen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, Steve and I listen to a horrible professor and tells us, go, go and become movie reviewers. And we get sent to the front lines of movie reviews and people throw classic movies at us and we freak out a little bit, but we take the classic movies and we look at them and if it's truly a classic movie, then we stab it in the chest and we beg for it to wake back up and forgive us. <laughs> Okay, I've lost. I got lost. Where am I again? No, if it's a classic movie, we go, yay, classic movie. But if it's an awful movie, you know, it has a horrible reputation, we take a look at it and we go, oh, you know what? This movie's actually pretty good. Or we go, oh, no, it's really bad. And then we stab that one in the heart. We don't ask for its forgiveness and we don't try to cup water into its mouth. Right, Steve? Never. I've never done that. Okay, for people who've managed to not hit stop on their MP3 players... (laughs) Here's what we really do. Steve and I take a classic movie, we watch it, and we see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, Steve and I are traveling way back to the 1930s to watch a movie that has a lot to say. It just really has a lot to say. (laughs) About all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing? (laughs) (laughs) The movie we're going to review this time around is All Quiet on the Western Front. Ah, yes. It's just a barefoot romp through the clover. (laughs) It's a happy spring day with your honey by your side. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You ready to do the who made it and stuff? Bring it on. Trivia? Okay. All right. All Quiet on the Western Front was directed by Louis Milestone. Produced by our good friend, Carl Lemley Jr. Mm -hmm. I know how to say his name now because Steve said it right the last time we had to say Carl Lemley. Woohoo! Written by Maxwell Anderson, who did the adaptation and dialogue. George Abbott, who is credited with the screenplay. Del Andrews, who is credited with the adaptation, and C. Gardner Sullivan, who is the supervising story chief. Yeah, that was, what, five people? <laughs> They've streamlined the screenwriting process a little bit since, apparently. But it's it's kind of understandable, because it was based on All Quiet on the Western Front by uh, Eric Berea Remarque. Is that how you say his name? It's pretty close, I would say, yeah. Remarque? I'm not sure if you get the extra K on the end or not. I'm not okay. the one to ask. Who should I ask? Um, they should be call doing this podcast with me. Someone you, who knows about yeah. foreign names. Actually, need, we do need someone. We, we need someone we can just call at a moment's notice, like a phone a friend. <laughs> be like, how do you pronounce this name? Because we're counting a lot of fucked up names in this show. Um, but it was, I think the, the original was in German, right? Yeah. Okay. And there wasn't an English version of it that they could just pick up? 
I don't know. Maybe not. Actually, none of these say translation. They all say adaptation. So they had two adapters, a guy who just wrote dialogue, <laughs> the screenplay, and the supervising editor. That's really weird that they would include the the story chief. They, you know, I've never seen that 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 uh, credit before. Yeah, you don't see that kind of thing in movies. It's like you never see you know a head writer credit. Yeah. For a movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it stars Lou Ayers, Louis Wolheim. I love you, Louis. You died too soon. Hmm. Uh, Lu- but I'm just going to get this gushing out of the way right now. Uh, Louis plays Cat uh, mm-hmm. or Kaczynski. And he's a big, brawny, broken-nosed, grizzled-looking guy. And he died the year after this movie came out. Um, now, here's the thing. If you've seen the movie like we asked you to beforehand, or if you plan on seeing the movie, I, I just want to use him as an example of you can't judge a book by his cover. Because while he looks like a big old bruiser guy, the guy went to Cornell University. <laughs> <laughs> he has a, a degree in engineering and mathematics, and he speaks five languages. And according to everyone that knew him, he was one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Okay, I'm done. I just look, can you be in all movie? Is there a way that we can clone him and bring him back? Because he was the favorite, my favorite thing in this whole movie. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, John Ray, <laughs> Arnold, a bunch of other people I don't give a fuck about. Arnold, Lucy, Ben Alexander, Scott Cole, Owen Davis, William Bakewell, Russell Gleason, Richard Alexander, Harold Goodwin, Slim Somerville, Walter Braun. <sighs> Big sausage fest movie. Ah, uh, blah blah blah. And, and How come somebody's they just mom? can't make more war movies with lots of women in them? <laughs> <laughs> Music by David Brokman. Cinematographer, Arthur Edison. Edited by Edgar Adams. Production company, Universal Studios. Distributed by Universal Studios. And it was released on August 24th, 1930. Running time, 152 minutes. Its budget was $1.2 million. And the box office was $1.5 million. Ooh, Just barely turned a profit. <laughs> it was a squeaker. <laughs> However, according to the, where I get my notes from, it's made $300 million if not $330 million if you include the rentals. Oh, there you go. So, uh, Carl Lemley, I hope you were alive when Blockbuster came out. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I've been vindicated. <laughs> Finally, I'll make a profit off this movie. Where's my? I got my first residual check from All Quiet this month. <laughs> I keep getting money for Dracula. Fuck, I hated that movie. <laughs> I, I wish I never made that goddamn thing. All Quiet on the Western Front was my passion project. <laughs> I didn't make a dime. Now I'm rolling in the blockbuster money. Oop, time to die. (laughs) I didn't even get to cash the check. (laughs) That's how they found him. (laughs) The check clutched in his fist. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> World famous producer Carl Lemley, and I'm going to keep saying his name now that I know how to pronounce it. Okay, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, his name is literally spelled L A E M M L E. I'm so glad that Steve is here to tell me how to pronounce that. <laughs> There's the one kind of awkward sounding name that I know how to pronounce. 
Someone fell asleep spelling their last name. That's all I can say. One of those Ellis Island, <laughs> you know, smart asses. Like, ah, let's see people figure this out. <laughs> okay, before we recap the plot, Steve, do you mm-hmm. have anything to add to your... Not or Don't review it. We do I it won't. a lot. We review yeah. before we review it, but anything you want to add? Any trivia or anything? No, just well. I, I think the the director Lewis Milestone is one of the great directors, especially of of war movies. And he made uh, I, I read one time in a critique of him, he was the first great Hollywood director to make great films about World War One, World War Two, and the Korean War, and his divorce, and the fight he got <laughs> in with his neighbor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he's a good director, is what I'm saying. Uh, this movie also was the fr- it was it was the first Academy Awards, right? Yeah, where it yeah. won Best Picture and Best Director, and it was the last film to deserve those honors from the Academy. Awards. <laughs> it's yeah, it doesn't happen often. Because <laughs> shortly after that, people went, "Hey, we could pay off. We could pay people off and get whatever movie we want to do win the Academy Awards." We don't have to give it to the super serious, depressing movie every year. Yeah, we can give it to people who we feel <laughs> we owe them something. <laughs> All right. You ready? Let's do it. Travel with us to 1930s Germany. War has broken out. We are going into the world of all quiet on the Western Front. Uh, something that doesn't happen in the movie until the very end. <laughs> It does get quiet, it's pr- though. It's pretty noisy. <laughs> Most it gets, of the time. It gets quiet eventually. So To the point which it drives people bonkers. It's so loud. Yeah. 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 Okay, Steve. Let's so go. We, we we begin our, our journey into mm. into uh, World War One era, era Germany with a, a title card that explains to us, and I believe this text is adapted pretty closely from the, uh, the foreword to the novel, uh, and the 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 title card informs us that this story is neither an accusation nor a confession, and least of all an adventure, for death is not an adventure to those who stand face to face with it. It will try simply to tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped its shells, were destroyed by the war. So on that happy note. Yeah. Thanks. And if Hitler had read that part instead of burning that book, we wouldn't have <laughs> had World War Two. The arguably better sequel to World War One. Yeah, it's <laughs> the stakes were higher. We knew why we were fighting for the most part. It really was the X two X Men United of Wars. It was definitely the II. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, in that def- series. yeah. You feel like you know you got more. F- it's the same basic story, but just fleshed out a lot more. Still waiting for World War Three. I don't even know when that that's been delayed. Who knows how many years uh, now? Yeah. Uh, well, depending on how the election turns out, we might we might see. <laughs> Me and you sitting in a cave glowing with radiation. Still reviewing movies. I felt the villain was weak in World War Three. <laughs> <laughs> that final twist, though, where they just nuked everybody. <laughs> so whose wife should we eat first? <laughs> right. We're going to be dead from radiation poisoning in a few weeks anyway. Does it really matter? Let's attack that guy and that kid down there walking towards the ocean. You know you know what doesn't make any sense to me anymore? Morality. 
I mean, what's it even for? We haven't even gotten out of. We're still on the still on, on the, the pre-title. <laughs> well, anyway, so you can't say you you can't say the movie didn't warn you. This is going to yeah. be some very heavy, very serious, very sober. That's stuff. right. It's a super serious movie, and Steve and I are going to take it super serious, as we always do. That's right. Yes. <sighs> so we open after the title card fades down. We we find ourselves in a, a little town in Germany. Yeah, it's and... called Chicken Hawk. <laughs> they sure are interested in the war. We're mm-hmm. we're in the early days of World War One, yeah. and the the local townspeople are just super interested in the war. You know, they're talking about the the casualties or the number of. The, I think they're having a discussion about the number of people that were captured. Yeah, you know, in the most recent battle that they heard, the postman about. is talking to the butcher grocery yeah. guy. Yeah, and the 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 postman is named. It's a quaint, yeah, it's a quaint little town. Yeah, the the postman is named Himmelstas. Himmelstas, and, and he talks about how you know tomorrow I'm going to be wearing a different uniform because they yeah. called me up. I'm in the reserves, and I'm going to mm-hmm. go join the war effort. And he tell yeah. he's, he's a sergeant in the army, and and they're I'm like, getting oh. a new uniform, and I'm getting a personality change. <laughs> yeah. Right now, I'm the happy Mister Postman guy. <laughs> I'm going to be like a totally different person. Yeah, and in a couple of years, I'll be dead on a battlefield. <laughs> Oops, spoilers. <Uh-oh. laughs> <laughs> By the way, guys, spoilers if you didn't watch the movie before we listen to our reviews. And spoilers if you don't know what World War One was. Because <laughs> it was pretty depressing. <laughs> Here, I, I'll paint you a nice picture. Uh, there's a meat grinder, and just start pouring people into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, um... Even for people who really and dig war, it's why, not a popular war. I don't know is a correct response to why did we fight World War One? <laughs> it was it was a long, ugly war where lots of people died for no reason, and then they just did the whole thing over right. again. Twenty and if years. If you later. say the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand, that is not the reason why World War One was fought. <laughs> That's what I was taught in my history class. Well, that's because your history class needed to give you some sort of answer. Right, exactly. What caused the war? Ah, uh, <laughs> the fucking Archduke was killed. That was it. <laughs> so anyway, this is in quaint little cobblestone streets, you know, vendors, yeah. people walking around, flowers. Universal... Bell is singing about not wanting to live a provincial life, dancing around a bunch <laughs> of sheep. <laughs> it's universal backlot, like, all the way. Soldiers marching down the street, going off to war. Yeah, clicking their heels, all that, all that we, happy army stuff. Yeah, we pan into Chicken Hawk University. Yeah, we, we exactly. We find ourselves in a classroom, and there's all these young men who are who are students of this professor named Professor Kantarek, and mm-hmm. he is giving the which means Chicken Hawk in German. By the way, does it actually? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could have. It could. It would fits him perfectly. And he is giving like the granddaddy of all recruitment speeches. I don't know if the army <laughs> gives him a kickback or what. Everything about being a teacher in this speech. <laughs> yeah, he's um, yeah he's a teacher who is telling his students, "Don't worry about of your thirty year olds." Yeah, yeah, they're they're rather and old. one twelve year old is near as I can yes. <laughs> and and he's basically telling them as a teacher. Don't worry about your education. Yeah, fuck your education. Go, go fight. <laughs> go join the army and go kill some uh, some French and, and Russians. That's what we really need you to do. 
Go and, fight for the fatherland. Yeah, exactly. It. And he even says, like, he starts, you know, uh, flipping shit to their parents, their hypothetical parents. Like, are your mothers, do your mothers hate their country so much that they would rather have you live and have their country die? Like, if your mother tells yeah. you not to go, tell your mother to go fuck herself. <laughs> tell her that she's bad for the country. She's killer. A- Bayonet her right there on the spot. Say, Mom, I'm killing you because you're not a patriot. Yeah. And go enlist and you know same thing about your father what your father yeah dad'll be proud yeah he'll be proud of you and you know and And the guy he's such a convincing orator that the guys sitting out in this classroom start fantasizing about how awesome it would be yeah one guy's like oh my dad will be so proud another guy's like i'll get a parade (laughs) yeah with with a car full of ladies does a single one of them think about standing in a, a blank, muddy field surrounded by bodies? Yeah, exactly. Like you know, I think you, it's the one that didn't want to go. Yeah, there was, yeah, there was one holdout who was like, one "I'm holdout not looking fidgety and freaked like, out." I'm not sure. Um, and eventually, the teacher turns to who turns out to be our hero for the story, Paul, who Paul. is sort of the 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 class leader. He, he even mm-hmm. the teacher even refers to him as their leader, and. He's like, well, what do you say, Paul Bauma? Will you the greatest the- writer that I've ever seen? Who yeah, one day will write the most magnificent things in the world. Yes, yeah, so much potential. I hope you have a chance to realize it. Uh, <laughs> I'm squandering yeah. that chance Com- by convincing you to <laughs> yeah. go into the army. Yeah, exactly. You're the most brilliant writer I've ever read. You're the next Goethe. Forget I'm going that. To Join destroy the army. your soul and then get you killed. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! You won't be a better writer than me. <laughs> you little upstart. Um, so, and Paul's like, yes, I want to go. That sounds awesome. You've convinced all the me. Others, yeah. And all the other ones join in. Um, and they're all screaming and yelling and... Singing the German national anthem. Yeah. Just Except there. for one guy. Who's <laughs> like, I don't want to go and murder people or get killed. And they're like, come on. No. Do it. All right. Okay. Peer pressure, kids. It works. Peer pressure will make you join the army. <laughs> Peer yeah, pressure works. works. Uh, <laughs> so they all enlist. Yeah. And they're all, I mean, they haven't actually, they've just enlisted. They haven't actually gotten to the army yet. So they're all like, you know, skipping around and making jokes with each other. <laughs> and like, Yeah. Well, the war, the, you know, the war will be over as soon as they let us in there. And, yeah. You know. They show up to the training camp. Yeah. They get into their quarters. And um, then who shows up, Steve? <gasps> Sergeant. Himmelstoss, the postman. The postman? Yes! Are we supposed to take him seriously? Well, they sure don't take him seriously. No, they dis- They do the worst thing you could possibly do on the first day of boot camp. <laughs> yes, they completely disregard the authority of their drill sergeant. And they walk away from him. Yeah, he doesn't like that. No, and he gets a little cheesed off. He he kind of takes it out on him, I think it's fair to say. Who uh, cares? <laughs> <laughs> It's boot camp. You know what I would have loved to have been able to do? Take out Himmelschlosh and put Ar- uh, uh, What's his name? Oh, Arlie Ermey from Arlie Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. And have him yell at them for about an hour. <laughs> what are you smiling at, you motherfucker? They all would have turned into private piles at that point. I think they would have just fainted. I mean, like the worst thing Himmelstoss does to them is his 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 favorite torment of them when they're in boot camp is he makes them do drills in the mud so their uniforms yeah. get all dirty. So when they're given time off, they can't actually do anything. They have to clean their uniforms. The sergeant has a kink. <laughs> the first time he makes them all lay down in mud, they all sit up and stare at him, and he's he's getting his jollies. 
There's something in there that's bad. He realizes something very deep and dark about himself. <laughs> he knows that he can't change it. And there's a part of me that likes to think that maybe later on what they do to him in revenge is the fulfillment of that kink that he has. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but apparently training consists of marching around and dropping down in the mud. Yeah. We don't see them getting taught how to kill anybody, right? No. In fact, which is a little bit odd because that's one of the things they talk about before they actually get to the training. One of them says, like, I'm looking forward to bayonet practice. And it's like, well, I guess they did that at some point. We never actually see them do that. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know. I don't think they got any kind of training. Half of them are dead before they get to their first (laughs) battle. (laughs) Look, kids, it's a gun. Okay? You just point it in the direction and shoot it. What do I need to tell you? (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be a war. You're not going to hit anything anyway. But on the day before they're going to be sent to the front, uh, Himmelschlammer, Himmelstoss, <laughs> decides, hey, I'm going to get them to march them through the mud and I'm going to make them drop in the mud. And now they're going to have to wait. And oh, that's right. The, the, the company commander, whoever says, let them have leave. Right. Until midnight. And he makes them drop in the mud, and now they got to wash all their clothes, and now they don't get to go on leave. And Himmelschlosch gets to go to the bar and get drunk. What yeah. a jerk! What a jerk! What a pervy jerk! <laughs> so then, so they, so but Paul has a plan. Yeah, and he and I, and I know this because Paul says to his fellows, "I have a plan," and they all lean in because that's what you do. Yeah, and they make they formulate their plan, and apparently their plan involves climbing up in a tree. With a big old net, a blanket, a blanket, yeah. While uh, while Himmelstoss is staggering back, <laughs> still to the chuckling barracks. about what he did to him. He's so tickled, <laughs> like it. It just made his whole day that he fucked up their shit. <laughs> and they drop the blanket on him, and they drop, trip him first yeah, with yeah, a that, rope. Yeah, yeah, and they and they throw the blanket on him and wrap him up in the blanket, and they they beat him. No, okay, um, we need to go through this. Because I forgot about this part. It's been a few years since I've seen yeah, the movie. me too. And I don't think I saw the restored version of this movie. Um, the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they wrap him in the blanket. They pull his pants down. Yes, they do. And they start spanking him with their swords. <laughs> Symbolism! <laughs> <laughs> and I, it makes it a little bit better if you're thinking that Hammerslash is like, finally! <laughs> At last! The boys is spanking me on my, on my butt with swords! I hope they drop me in the mud next! And they do. <laughs> and they drop him in the mud and march away. Yeah. The end? <laughs> <laughs> Good movie! People, if that was the end, people would I thought this was supposed to be a critique on war. Eh, not some bizarre postman's kink. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he was kind of a jerk. That uh, sort of turns you off the war, right? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so what happens next? So now they're, they're being shipped off to the front lines. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're sent uh, to France where the fighting is being done. And yeah. um, they're introduced to the other members, like the, the, the veterans in the company that they've been assigned First to. off, they get off the train, right? Yeah. And they get disillusioned pretty quick. Because <laughs> they're like, okay, go up there and you'll, you'll meet the rest of the company. And they're like, okay. And then bombs drop and immediately one of them dies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
oh, this isn't good. This was <laughs> our teacher didn't tell us about this part. And then they get to the second company, right? Yeah, and okay. and and they're hungry. They're, yeah, they're, they're like, hey, we missed breakfast. Yeah, they're starving, and the 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 veterans that are there are like, uh, well, you know. I have something you can eat. Yeah, Dick. Exactly. We haven't had anything to eat in two, two days. <laughs> we haven't had any food either, so shut up. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. And then one of them says, what, somebody brings up, like, well, what do you, what, how do you eat? Like, what do you do about food? And they, and they say, well, that's uh, Kaczynski's department. Yeah. Because uh, he, he can sniff out food if it's, like, within 20 miles. And That's right. So, uh, and then we cut to Kaczynski, and we this is when we first meet him, and he's also yeah. as you as you mentioned when you were going through the cast, he's also often called Cat. The, yeah. the, when they get to know him, they just call him Cat, and he he's uh, the least cat-like person you know. Yeah, yeah, he's not super cat-like, really. Um, he's good. <laughs> he at, almost looks like an orc. He's <laughs> he's cat-like in the sense that he can grab food and drag it away. Oh yeah, you know. Um, he, uh, he drops dead birds and mice in the front of the barracks. <laughs> oh, it's just—it's his way there of trying. Go, there you go, guys. It's his way of trying to teach you how to catch your own food. He's, uh-huh. he's demonstrating to you how to do it. Um, <laughs> he finds a uh, a train where where uh, pigs are being unloaded, uh, like slaughtered hogs, and they're being loaded yeah. onto a truck, and then the truck drives away. So Kaczynski just walks mm-hmm. up to the door and puts his arms out, and the guy unloading the pigs doesn't even look and just hands him one. And hey, Steve, can I ask you a question? Yeah. You think they're going to turn those pigs into sausage? Um, Because sausage is the only thing that Germans seem to eat in this movie. (laughs) They do. Sausage seems to be their only source of protein. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised when he brought the pig in, they didn't go, what is that, some sort of strange-legged sausage? (laughs) Exactly. Or or one of them just reaches into their coat and pulls out a meat grinder like that he just carries (laughs) with him. Vices it to the edge of a table. Here we go. Let's get this started. So he has a pig. He has a pig, and he takes it back to the mm-hmm. the to wherever they're staying. I almost said barracks, but it's not really. It's just wherever they've they've set up shop with the company, and yeah. uh, it brings back the pig. And of course, the veterans there are like oh, Kaczynski. What are you doing? There's not enough there for us. And he's like, "We're the veterans, by the way." It's Tajin. Yeah, and uh, Dietering. Dietering. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Westhus. Westhus. West Westhus. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and and cats basically like you guys. All you do is complain. I'm tired of feeding you for free. And then yeah. he turns to the new guys, the new intake led by Paul, and he's like, you know, basically like, hey, are you guys hungry? <laughs> you know? And he's like, hey, and they're like, yeah, we got money. And he's like, that's just pieces of paper. <laughs> what else you got? You got any Tobacco, cigarettes, <laughs> booze, heroin, nudie magazines? <laughs> and then he drops the pig on the floor, and they paw at it. Like cave bit. people. <laughs> like cave people. But that's sort of like a recurring theme in this movie. Anytime they get food, they just, you know, shove it into their faces well, as quickly as possible. starving Cause they ha- Yeah, because if they actually get food, it's like a really rare thing. Uh-huh. I can't imagine and why then, Germany lost the war. And then the commander shows up, and he's like, this is that scene, right? He shows up and goes, hey, we need someone to run a wire. Yes, yes. Cat, go... Go go run go run barbed wire. And he's like, okay, I'm taking all of you guys. I'm from Germany. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. He doesn't talk that way. <laughs> but he looks like he talks that way. <laughs> of course he does. He kind of looks like, and I've mentioned him in a previous podcast, he kind of looks like the henchman to the diminutive gangster from the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yes, I. that's perfect, yeah. Um, Let's go have... fight for the fatherland. <laughs> now, we have to describe Cat a little bit. He is a veteran. Yeah. He's the guy that knows stuff. He's the guy that tells everybody, okay, this guy has appeared in every war movie. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the first time this character has appeared. He's gruff. He knows how to get, how to get things done. He doesn't necessarily play by the rules. They right. don't believe in saluting, blah, 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 blah. And they all got to pile into a truck and go toward, to the front line. Right. Yeah, and they get dropped off, and the truck driver yeah. is like, "I'll be back for you if there's any of you left in the morning." So. Yeah. <laughs> and they hear some bombs drop, and they all freak out and drop to the ground. And he just stands there looking at them. One of them pees their pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you which ones you drop for, dipshit. Okay, just watch yeah. me. <laughs> but he's a genuine. He's a nice guy. He yeah. tells him, "Don't worry, I'll get you a new new pair of pants and underwears." And he's like, "Okay, let's go run the wire, right?" Yeah. And they this will be fun. Them. You'll love this. <laughs> They're running the wire, and then the shelling starts again, right? Yeah, there's another bombardment, and uh, there a bomb f- lands right near one of them. Yeah. And he's blinded. And he screams that. Yeah. I'm blind. I can't see. I'm blind. <laughs> and he does what you're supposed to do when you're blinded on a battlefield. <laughs> Stagger around wildly. He stands up and starts running around. What else are you supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and yeah, and he gets he gets uh, taken out by enemy fire. Yeah. And one of the other recruits, you know, because this is their friend. This is like yeah. a guy they've known from school. So he runs out and grabs him to pull him back to safety. Yeah. And Kaczynski's like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> and he's like, "Well, I'm I was." You know, I was I, I was rescuing him. I was bringing him back. And he's like, he's dead. He's like, but he's my friend. So? Yeah. He's dead. Don't like, Basically, he says, don't ever do that again. Don't ever yeah. put yourself in harm's way to go bring back the body of a, of a comrade because it's not worth it. Yeah, you know? asshole. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Do I, 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 it breaks my heart that I have to tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> so then they go, where do they go? Then they're in one of the... Okay, now they're in the front lines, right? They're yeah. They're in their little dugout, hidey hole, underground fort. Yeah. Yeah. They they build the... I can't remember the exact name of it, but they're these little underground dwellings. They have, they put in stakes, they cover it with dirt, and then that's where they stay while they're waiting for attacks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they've been down there for a few days. They haven't been eating. And all the new recruits are each having their own flavor of freak out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not settling in well. There's there's rats all over the place. Cat and the other dudes are just like playing cards. Yeah. And bombs go off and dirt falls down and they just sit there and continue to play and everyone else has a has a complete freak out. <laughs> <clears throat> Until finally, and I can't remember the order of events. One guy the dirt, the bomb drops so close that dirt fills up the entrance, and the mm-hmm. guy wants to crawl out. And Cat uh, <laughs> has Paul hold him, and he punches him, 
<laughs> and, Count, and Paul's like, what are you doing? And he said, hold him. Okay. And he punches him again. He knocks him out, yeah. And, but not not very good. <laughs> because doesn't he get up immediately I, after that? Yeah, and, and then, yeah, and then he runs out, right? He runs outside. Yeah, he runs out and he's like, yeah, I'm doing the one thing to guarantee my death. <laughs> I'm sick of this war already. And guess what happens? He gets <laughs> he gets shot. That's right. He got shot. <laughs> um, and then what? Um, well, I remember there's there's a bit where the 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 one who gets shot is taken away to get treatment, and the the commander says, uh, "Just tell tell the rest of them that he's okay." Yeah, you know. Like just we'll just cut this he off. He tells right Paul now. that. Yeah, he tells Paul. Just tell everybody that that he's going to be okay. Um, and Paul says, lip trembling, eyes filled with tears. He's okay. He definitely did not get shot through the face by the enemy. He's going to be fine, you guys. <laughs> Especially the parts that were all over the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what's that on your shirt? That looks like brain and skull. No, no, no. it's good. It's um, fine. Um, <laughs> That's just a thing. Would anyway. I eat it if it, that's what it was? <laughs> <laughs> You're crying. It's so good. Give me some. No. <laughs> I'm just crying because it's delicious and because our friend is going to be fine. <laughs> and I'm so happy. And everything's fine. So they just keep bombing. They just keep bombing and bombing and people are yeah. cracking up. And Paul... Manages to keep his calm, yeah, right? Yeah, He manages to crack a joke, and the other veterans go, this guy's okay. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's the point where Paul sort of transitions from being like yeah. one of the new guys to being accepted by the season. The other, the other students, friends of his, aren't faring nearly as well. No. <laughs> They're really not uh, dealing with the whole getting shot at and bombed thing very well at all. Yeah. At one point, some prop master dumped a basket full of rats in the in the thing. Yeah, which didn't help. You know, they all kind of freak out and start, you know, slapping at them with their shoes. And their shovels their, or whatever Yeah, else yeah, their handy. shovels, yeah. And, cause, and then at... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I guess, you know, I mean, that if they're that hungry, you know... They don't ever eat rats, I do know. They? Well, I, they don't, but I mean, you know, it's right there. Mm-hmm. Is it really going to be that much worse? Commander comes in and says, hey guys, I'm trying... Trying to get you food. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you some food. Just hang in there. And then there's bombing and bombing and bombing, and then all of a sudden, nothing. And you think, oh, good, it's over. <laughs> it ain't over. Nope. That means something else, doesn't it, Steve? Yeah, it's time to go outside. It means the enemy is, is advancing. Yeah. That means that they're sending over their troops to come kill them right so they gotta get up there and kill the other guys because that's how war works yeah exactly you, you bomb the other side to scare the shit out of everybody yeah and then you cut off the bombing and you send your your troops in yeah and then they all get then, killed yeah and there's fighting and bayoneting and a whole bunch of clubbing and fighting and shooting and awfulness it's it's so it's so gory and bloody that even the camera starts killing people <laughs> <laughs> the camera is just like fuck this. I'm going to put an end to this, and it just starts panning back and forth and just mowing people down. <laughs> That's so. Um, what happens after that? They go back. Yeah. Right. And yeah. one of their friends is in the. Is this the scene? One of their friends is. In the um, I think that might be. Uh, that that's not until a little later. I think. 
what happens next to you? Um, I don't know. I, I think it is. The Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Battle. Yeah, because they, yeah, they they get. Um, oh no, no. There's a scene where after the battle, where they're sitting around talking about the war. Is that? Oh, that's right. So yeah. they get sent back, and um, out of the three hundred people that were sent, is it three hundred? Uh, no, you know what? Here's where we're at. There, there were they. They have. There's the scene with the, um, uh, with the the food first, where they're yeah. That's they, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, they, they got up. sent out, and the cook has made food for the entire battalion for the second battalion. Right, which is I, it was 150, was what yeah. they were supposed to have, but they only have 80 left that survived. Yeah, exactly, and they're kind of like you made, and these guys have been starving. They haven't gotten any food. Right. And the chef's there, and he's like, "Look, I'm going to have to throw all this away or something." Yeah, he, he because I, the way he interprets his orders, like he mm-hmm. he should like a idiot. Yeah, he <laughs> he says because when they say, you know, well, there's not 150 of well, us. Well, I only made it for 150. I oh. should have been told. He says, like, why didn't somebody right. tell me that half of you were killed horribly just now? <laughs> I wouldn't have made so much food. Exactly. But they say, you, we can have double servings. Yeah. And he's like, no, you can't. He's like, yeah, we can. He's like, no, you can't. And Cad goes, look, you're going to give us double servings. And I'm, not, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically what he said. Or we're going to rip you apart and eat you ourselves. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and he's put his, the, the chef, is, the cook has put his foot down. And then the commanding officer comes out and he proudly displays the beans that he's cooked. Yeah. Check out my beans, sir. Yeah. And he's like, serve them all. And then the chef is defeated. Oh. But they I get lots of food. But I wanted to deprive them of food. <laughs> <laughs> so they eat until they can't move. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're sitting around a tree, being all philosophical about the war. Kind of. Yeah, they're sort of asking, like, well, why, who started this war? Why are we even fighting this? You know, they they get into, one of them says, you know, um, like, I most of, I never even saw an Englishman before the war, and most of them probably never saw a German before. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Isn't that funny? Yeah. The, the, the whole idea is that none of them really know why they're fighting. Right. And they have no personal stake in the war other than the, yeah. the vague sort of, well, your country needs you type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then Kat says, you know how they should settle this? Is they should take those guys, the, the, the leaders, strip them naked, and give them clubs, yeah. and have them fight it out. And another guy goes, yeah, yeah, and throw some wolverines in there. <laughs> another one chimes in and goes, hey, how about a baby with a machete? Well, that's cool. So, okay, we got two naked leaders, <laughs> clubs, wolverines, babies with machetes. Oh. Anyone else got something oh, to throw oh. in there? Dig some spike pits. <laughs> I have 40 quatloos on the leader of Germany. <laughs> um, and sadly, and this go, new model of war is not adopted. Yeah, it's never adopted. No. But um, then Paul goes, hey, let's go visit our friend that got injured, right? Yeah, that'll cheer us up. That'll, yeah, in theory. <laughs> it's supposed to cheer him up, too, if his friends weren't dicks <laughs> they go into this converted church yeah i think that's what it's what it's supposed to be yeah 
and they're looking around for his friend, and the doctor's like, I can fucking be bothered with you and your friends. Do you happen to see how many people are here? Right. I've, I've, I'm the same doctor from Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> I've cut off 20 legs in the last 10 minutes. Doctor, he has a fever. Cut his leg off. <laughs> this one has a hangnail. Cut his leg off, too. Cut off all their legs. That one only has the flu. Cut his leg off. Excuse me, doctor, I have a headache. Hold him down! Cut your leg off! <laughs> Give me my bone saw. <laughs> we'll fix that headache right up for you, boy. So they find their friend. Which one is this? Is Burn? Uh, ben? Babe? Kemmerich. <laughs> Kemmerich. Is this Hemmerich? Kemmerich, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one with the really like, nice Hi. boots. Yeah. yeah. He's the one. Okay. Yeah. No foreshadowing here. We kind of glossed over <laughs> it in boot camp. <laughs> But he's sitting in his bunk with these brand new boots, and he's like, look at this, fellas. I got luxury boots. They're, like, made out of the skin of angels, and I'm going to walk in style. Check out that lambskin, right? Yeah. This doesn't foreshadow anything. Mm -hmm. I'll be wearing these boots forever with both of my feet. (laughs) (laughs) But it turns out... That uh, the doctor, to cure him, has chopped off one of his feet. Yep. Sometimes you just gotta. Yeah. Yeah. And his jerk friends... <laughs> hey, are kinda can like, I have your boots? <laughs> Does he say I wanted to play piano after he finds out that his foot has been cut off? I think he might, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of like, what does that have one have to do with the other? They're like, you can still play piano. You can push the pedals with one foot. But another guy's like, hey, you're not going to use these boots. I'm taking them. And it's like, that's what killed him. Yeah. <laughs> what killed oh, his damn friend it. was, my friends are jerks and I don't have a foot. <laughs> What's the point of going on? <laughs> Goodbye. They all leave except for Paul. Yeah. And even Paul tells the dude that took the boots. Well, you know, we weren't doing, it's not like they were doing him any good. And some orderly would probably just take him. Right? Yeah. We're justified. This is war. Yeah. Life sucks. Yeah, nice what am I supposed too. to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take his watch. I'm going back to Chicken Hawk and I'm going to take his girlfriend. <laughs> I'm taking everything I'm t- this man has. I'm taking everything. Paul goes back. Uh, the doctor, he runs into the doctor. He overhears the doctor saying, poor little guy, he's not going to make it. Right. <laughs> I'd take the other leg too, but I don't think it would do any good. <laughs> I could hack off every limb and it wouldn't do him any good at this point. Sad, really. Oh, well. Lunch? How about some sausage? <laughs> mm. So, uh, Paul stays by his bedside, right? Yeah, and he prays for him. Oh, you know, God, does he ever. Yeah, he he lets loose one hell of a prayer. I couldn't tell if he was praying to God or to the director just off camera. Because <laughs> he prays out loud. He's like, he's only 19. He's barely lived. Please, God. And God's like, fuck you. Nope, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kill him now. Exactly. And his friend starts choking. You know what? I was going to let him be okay, but you just had to push it, didn't you, Paul? Yeah. I got his leg. I want the rest. <laughs> <laughs> that leg is sweet, even without the boot. That is a nice leg. <laughs> so Paul goes running off looking for a doctor. Yeah. 
And as as before, you know, the doctors mm-hmm. can't really be bothered. They're like, look yeah. around. There's a there's a million people here, yeah. and your friend is done for. Yeah. <laughs> you know? If the if taking the leg cure didn't work, there's nothing else I can do. Yeah, for I don't. I don't have any real medical skills. I I just cut things yeah. off that have bullet holes in them. Yeah. So sorry, leg. <laughs> <laughs> he just has a push cart filled with legs. No one's using it. <laughs> if you want a leg, I could hook you up. Chicken, human, it's all the same <laughs> in the stew pot. <laughs> you get um, used to it. You don't really care well, after a while. Paul goes back. He's dead. He's got the boots. He's holding on to the boots. He's walking back to the platoon. He gets weird and giddy. Yeah. And then he practically runs, skips back to the barracks. And then he tells his friend, oh, he's dead. And then when I got outside, I was so happy to be alive. Which ruins that scene for me, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Because what I thought he was doing was, I thought he was mustering up the courage to lie to his lie to his friends again. Yeah, I thought he was forced. I was giving him more emotional complexity than what the movie gave him, <laughs> because he then just no, I was so happy to be alive. I was just happy and giddy, but now I'm sad again. Oh, that's what that was. And his friend says, "Don't worry. I'm sure all of us from here on out, we've had a bad couple of weeks, <laughs> but from this point forward, the rest of us." Are all gonna be together? Oh, here, here's the boots. Yeah, <laughs> wear them <laughs> with we'll pride, my friend. Yeah, wear them for the rest of your life, which will be about three transition shots. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, th- that's when we get this <laughs> one of the one of the more famous sequences from this movie where, yeah, where we we just follow the boots and we first. How come we can't get a movie called Sisterhood of the Traveling Boots? This, uh, come on, it writes itself. <laughs> where everyone who wears the boots dies. It's like... <laughs> The most depressing teenage chick flick ever. <laughs> uh, where the first the, the first guy has the boots, the guy that Paul passes him to. We just we see we follow his feet. He gets killed, and then we see the boots on someone else's feet. He gets killed. You kind of yep. get the idea. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, war sucks, even if you have super nice boots. Boy, does it ever! So now they're in one of their gross holes right <laughs> yeah in one of their gross holes again yeah yeah and who shows up steve well it's it's their old pal himmelstoss yeah He's... himmelstoff has been called to the front to fight what the hell and they think that's hilarious yeah they're like <laughs> you're gonna die you fucker you don't know anything and he's kind of like well i have maybe if someone should trip me in the mud and spank me we can all be friends again <laughs> i'll fight for you you just have to know how to ask me yeah and he's still demanding that they salute him and all this other garbage yeah and now we have another they they they're gonna do another advance right yeah so they're running across great gra- oh god great traveling shots yeah. Just uh, with moving the camera and everything, putting it on a dolly and moving it across the camera as they're running across. And uh, Himmelstadt has a freak out because he got a splinter in his hand. Yeah, and he's he's sort of making a big deal out of it, hoping to be taken off the line. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm hurt, you says, have to take me away. Yeah, but then someone runs up and says, we're advancing? Or forward or something? Yeah. And he goes, yippity, yippity! <laughs> <laughs> And he starts charging ahead, right? Yeah, oh, he goes for it. 
He really goes for it until that bomb takes him out. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the camera keeps traveling, and it's kind of like, where did my, where did the subject of the shot go? <laughs> Whoops! And that's the end of Himmelbimmel. Yeah, He's poor gone. old Him Himmelstock, whatever his name is. <laughs> no more sausage for him. Uh, now he is um, the sausage. Is this the church scene? Where they're trying to take the church? Um. I think it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is they're at that point. Yeah, and which coffins are being blown out of the cemetery? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna need those. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, and then I can't remember how this battle sequence. He gets injured, doesn't he? Well, there's before he. I think before he gets injured, there's the the bit in the trench where he stabs the guy. That's right. So yeah. they're advancing, and then they retreat, and then they advance again, and then they retreat again. And then he dives into a crater. It's not a trench. Yeah, it's yeah. a bomb crater. And he's watching the enemy jump over him as they're advancing. And one of them looks down. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and decides, I'm going to kill this guy with my bayonet. But he doesn't. No, because Paul has a knife. Yeah, and he, his trench knife. Yeah, and he he rolls he rolls him over, and he just gives him one right in the, yeah. you know, the sweet spot, and he's yeah. like, "There, I killed you, you fuck." And then he starts to feel yeah. guilty about it. Well, the guy is like, "No, you didn't kill me. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm gonna I'm gonna live for a long time." <laughs> and um, at first, he's like, "Why don't you die already?" Yeah, and then he's he, he kind of goes through the cycle a couple of times where he's like yeah, he does. he's resentful of the guy for not being dead, and then he feels mm-hmm. bad for having killed him, and he then he begs his forgiveness. begs his forgiveness. No, he doesn't. Well, he tells the guy him, has to die before he does that. He, right? Yeah, but before he dies, like he's, he he gets to a place where he's trying to reassure him. He's giving him, Give water, him water. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, "Don't worry, you're going to be okay, and uh, you'll you know, hey, your war is over for you. You're going to be home before I will." Man, the guy he stabbed thinks that's so funny that he dies with a smile on his face. Yes, I'll show you. <laughs> that does disappear during a transitional shot, but comes back later on. Yeah, he's it's just post-mortem reflexes, you know? <laughs> it just kind of happens sometimes. Then he begs for his forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he looks through the guy's stuff, and he finds a picture of his wife and his kid. And he's like, I'll, I will take care of them. I will make it up to you. I am so... I am so sorry that I stabbed you with my trench knife. And then he crawls out of there during a lull. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he makes it back. And Cat's there. Awesome Cat. <laughs> the rock, the foundation of this of, of this platoon. And he's like, say, you finally killed one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, you never forget your first time, kid. Yeah, and he 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 tries to sort of ease his conscience and tell him, you know, mm-hmm. you you look, it's war. You did what you had to do, you know. Don't lose sleep over it. And then Paul kind of starts to go along with it and says, yeah, you know, maybe I just felt bad about it because I was stuck in that hole with him for so long, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then they're they're marching out for new orders, right? Yeah, they're passing by these brand new coffins, these weird hexagonal <laughs> coffins. And then they get bombarded. Another shelling happens. And uh, Paul gets one right in his side. Yeah. And his friend gets injured, too. Which friend was that? That was Per... uh, 
other guy. Yeah, yeah. And in, in the notes I'm looking at, I think his name is Albert. Albert. Yeah, I remember that now. His name is Albert, yeah. And they wind up in another hospital run by nuns, and they meet a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's sort of a lifer. <laughs> you know, he's gonna... He got a head injury, and now he's just too crazy to go back to the front. Yeah. And he's like, okay, guys, here in this happy fun time movie, I'm going to tell you how things work here. Watch that guy over there. See? If they pick him up and they put him on a gurney, and then they take their his clothes off the hook, that means he's going to the dying wards. The nuns don't call it that, but that's what it is, because people never come back from that. <laughs> <laughs> and then a gurney shows up. <laughs> oh. And picks Paul up, puts him on it. He watches them take the, the coat off the hook. And he's like, no! Wait a minute! Oh! I'll be back! I'll be back! Door closes. <laughs> You'll live to regret this! The doctor shows up. <laughs> looks at looks at Albert's sheet and goes, there's only one cure for this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my hacking knife. And they take his leg. And he's laying there. And... <clears throat> We're pretty sure that Paul's not coming back, but lo and behold, Paul busts through the front door, wheeled on a gurney, going, I told you I'd be back! (laughs) (laughs) Everything will be fine! Isn't this awesome? And his friend's like, I don't have both of my legs. I'm going to be a cripple! (laughs) But what about me? I'm well! (laughs) (laughs) And so he goes back. He rejoins his platoon, doesn't he? At this point, doesn't he go home? No. Something important happens before that happens. He rejoins his platoon. They're on leave. Now they're not on leave. They're just at the front. Oh, yeah. Next to a river at an Just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're, the, they're, they're the, hanging out, having drinks. Having pickles. Yeah. Oh, pickles. Having beer and having sausage. Being German. <laughs> Fucking being German singing German songs. And uh, Paul sees a poster that has a drawing of a pretty woman on it. Mm-hmm. And both him and his friend get a little creepy about it. Yeah. <laughs> they start inventing like a biography for the girl and imagining what, you know, which one of them she yeah. would prefer to be with. and Which is so, gets them so worked up about girls and stuff that they decide they're going to go take a bath. Mm-hmm. Together. Together. <laughs> And uh, and uh, Tajin's kind of like bath. What the hell is that? <laughs> um, but they go down to the river to take a bath, and this is where we see Man Butt. Yes, we do. Because uh, this is a pre-code film, guys. And pre-code meant Man Butt. Yeah, they, and blood and other stuff. They they were a little more liberal back then. Just a bit. <laughs> so they're scrubbing up, and um, Tajin jumps in, and he's trying to get clean too. And what happens, Steve? They see some girls, uh-huh. some local girls, yeah, and they're like, "Hey, we like the girls," and they say, "Why don't we go over there and have sex with those girls?" You know what we did? We reversed it because this happens before he gets injured. <laughs> well, it happens at some point. Whatever. It's like it's, it's in the movie. These three girls don't want to have. These three French girls don't want to have anything to do with these g- naked German doofuses right. in the water. <laughs> Until Tajin pops up out of the water with a soaking wet loaf of bread and a sausage. Yep. 
basically, hey, quid pro quo, girls. We've and now these food. girls are like super, yeah, they're like, oh boy, food? Yeah, come on. Because it turns out civilians stuck in a war zone don't get to eat either. No. It just sucks for everybody. Mm-hmm. But before they could swim across to the enemy side of the lights, <laughs> um, the guard on the bridge that's next, uh, that's over the river says, are you guys want to get in trouble? Are you insane? Go back. Right. Now, luckily, one of their group speaks French. Right? Yeah. And he's been talking back and forth. And they say, hey, come back later tonight. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Tajan's like, but there's three of them and four of us. <laughs> and they're like, that's okay. We're going to get Kat to get you completely and totally drunk so that you can never get laid and probably die. <laughs> we're- but we're virgins, Tajan. We've never had a woman. So we're going to betray you. Let us have this. Yeah. Cut to that evening. They swim across the river naked. Yep. How else are you going to swim across a river? You don't want to get your clothes They show wet. up to the house naked. Yeah. And the, the, the girls helpfully provide them with, you know, some sheets or some robes to put well, on. After laughing at after them laughing for a little while. Oh. They give them uh, coats and night dresses and stuff to wear. And they're like, hey, look, food. I don't know how we kept the bread dry, but food. <laughs> And it is very apparent that these girls have been starving. Yeah. And they they go to it. They start eating just as sloppily and hungrily as the we've seen the soldiers eat whenever they give food. Yeah. And Paul is like, I want this one. <laughs> <laughs> you shall be mine. And then sex happens. Mm-hmm. Off camera, of course. Off camera. Because even though it's pre-code, you still couldn't show very people going at done, it. tastefully done, but I'm going to tell you this much. After code... You couldn't even hint that they ever did anything. No, sex did not even exist. The way they handled it in this movie was very clever. If not a little boring, but very clever. <laughs> in which we hear pillow talk afterwards. Yeah, right? yeah. In which he's talking to her and all this stuff and the war. And the only thing I understood in her French was this terribly, terribly, terribly. You know, she's yeah. talking about the terrible war. war like, yeah. No, we'll talk about you. Blah, 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 blah. And then they have to leave. Right. Yeah. And they, they deposit their, their robes or their sheets on the hook on the way out the door. Yeah. And then they have the thing where the coffins and they get blown up and then they go to the hospital and then they take his friend's leg and then they, all that stuff. And then he goes on leave. Yeah. And he, and he goes, he goes back home to ditch a little chicken hawk to, to his beautiful, his idyllic town of chicken hawk. And it's a little different, isn't it, Steve? It's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite how he remembers it. Um, to quote a song, this town is looking like a ghost town. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's hardly anybody on the street. It's like, what happened to everybody? <laughs> the two people that are on the street is a general in a uniform and a veteran with one leg and crutches. Yeah. Boy, a lot of that going around. I think there's a homeless person. Most of the businesses are closed. Yeah. It's not, It's a shadow of what it had been right before the war. Yeah. But he makes it home. And his sister's there. And she's like, Paul! And she runs down, and she gives him a, a disturbing kiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're very close. Like That's... a prolonged mouth kiss. And for a second, I went, wait a minute, has Paul been married this whole time? <laughs> what an asshole. 
You don't kiss a sibling like that. That is not. You don't have a passionate kiss with your sister, but apparently in Paul's family, you yeah, do. And then after the, and after the kiss, his, his sister glares at him and says, you've been with someone else. <laughs> no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. She takes her, goes upstairs and he's like, where is mama? And uh, she's like, she's sick. Go in and see her. And he goes in there and she's happy to see him. Right? Yeah. And sister's like, I'm making potato cakes. <laughs> and he's like, I brought you food. I brought you lots of stuff. And she's like, oh, great. And he's like, where's father? And they're like, he's being a dick down at the beer hall. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so when we cut to a scene where the leaders of Chicken Hawk are being Chicken Hawks. Yeah, yeah. It's a really... One one of the more sort of overt statements of theme in the movie where, you know, mm-hmm. Paul is sitting there, the only, as far as we can tell, the only actual veteran in the scene. And, and, the only person that has ever fought, a, the only person that's been at the front lines. Right, he's he's fought in this war, he's been up front, he's seen what it's like, and he's just sitting there. It's very obvious that they're losing this war. Yeah, things are not going well, and and he, he sits there and mostly says nothing while the other guys are telling him... <laughs> How the army well, has tries. to be fighting the he war. He says, I've been, I've been there. And they literally tell him, well, you don't know of these things. They literally pretend like they know more about it than he does. Yeah, he tells them at one point, you know, it's a lot different when you're there than yeah. when it, from how it looks from back here. And they're like, whatever, let me tell you what you need to do. Yeah. You know, and they're going on and on about, you need to break the lines and you need... They break out this map. Yes. And then they put out their stupid, you know... Um, uh, lounge chair quarterbacking yeah. for this fucking war and Paul's getting crushed. Yeah. <laughs> he's seething with hatred and disappointment specifically at his father because he's part of these jerks. Yeah. <sighs> then he's back in his uniform walking down the street and what does he hear? He hears the the dulcet tones of Professor Chicken Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Katerick, who mm-hmm. recruited him into the war in the first place, and delivering the same fucking speech he did before. Yes, to a group of students who are now noticeably cast with much younger actors. Yeah, they're like six. Yeah, they're they're like really really young looking. And Paul kind of wanders in, and he's like, "Oh Jesus!" And the mm-hmm. professor sees him and is like, you know, happy to see him because he sees him as a recruitment tool. He's like, look, here's someone who was just like you, you know, three or four yeah. years ago. And now he's, he come in tell them, tell them what it's like. Tell them, you know, how important it is to serve the fatherland. And Paul's kind of like trying to beg off like, no, I, you, yeah. I don't want to talk to him. And he's like, no, but you have to, you tell them what, what you've, what you've seen, tell them why they need to join up. And, He's like, no, really, dude, you don't want me to say anything. Trust me. He's like, war sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, because... Everything is awful. <laughs> the pro- the professor keeps, like, goading him into it, and finally, he it's like he just sort of puts his fist on the table and says, all right, you want to know what it's like? It sucks. The trenches are awful. There's rats. It's wet. We, we, we mm-hmm. fight. We try not to get killed. Sometimes we are killed. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. It's bullshit. He shouldn't have said sometimes we're all killed. He should have turned to the students and said, he recruited all 20 of us to go. I'm the only <laughs> one left. You're all <laughs> going to die. I am the class of 1917. Right. <laughs> or 1915. Or whatever. Everywhere I go is a reunion. 
Get the picture, kids. <laughs> the class of 15 is always together because I'm the only fucking one left. And while he's trying to tell him this, what does one of the kids yell at him? They coward. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess that's what everybody, all, the town full of people who have have never fought in the war, when someone, when a real person comes back and says, guys, this sucks. This is terrible. Oh, fuck you. The war is awesome. Mm-hmm. Gee, I sure is great that that doesn't happen anymore. I'm sure glad we don't do that anymore, especially here mm-hmm. in the wonderful United States. I mean, I'm sure they... Yeah, we don't have a single chicken hawk sending people no, off to war. Perish the thought. And then ignoring them when they come back. I mean, maybe that's a German thing, but it's certainly yeah, not probably. an American thing. And it only happened in World War One. Yes, we learned our lesson. We learned... You know, the wonderful thing about World War One is that we learned all the lessons. And we yeah. didn't repeat any of the same mistakes ever again. That's right. We found newer and better ways to kill people. <laughs> yes. We're going to just not do the trench thing. We're just going to bomb the shit out of everything. <laughs> so then he sees his mom one more time before he leaves. Yeah. They share a mouth kiss. <laughs> it's just, It's. I guess it's just a cultural thing in that town. I think it's a thing about that, that family. Fam. I don't think it's a cultural thing. I think that they just all mouth kiss each other. It's super gross. Paul's like trying to turn away. Mom, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. Just come here. Just come here. Just a little motherly talk. Oh, God. <laughs> and so... Uh, what happens? Well, he, he, goes, back. he goes back and... The, the the second company is now filled with mostly new recruits, and he's sort of in the position that the veterans were when he showed up uh, once upon a time, and only this time, just like when he came back to the school, the new recruits uh-huh. seem just shockingly young. Yeah. And Paul is like, what the fuck is going on? And you start getting worried, because the only one that he recognizes that's there... Is Tajan. Yeah. But he has a gift for him. <laughs> what does he have? Oh, fuck. What does he have? I forget. Potato cakes. Oh, that's right. Yes. Homemade potato cake. Delicious. And, <laughs> and well, because now, if, if you thought they had food problems before, now it's like, I think... Well, They're eating sawdust yeah, or something. Yeah, I think uh, Tajan says, at least back, in, back before you left, they used to have some food in the sawdust. <laughs> Like, now it's just <laughs> sawdust. Exactly. So, uh, then you start getting worried, because uh, where is everybody? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, one guy went crackers and walked out into the battlefield, and he died. And another guy went crackers and walked out yeah. the battlefield. And, oh, no, one guy went out looking for food, yeah. and he got captured or something. Yeah. He might be dead. But I don't care about those two. Where's Cat? Yeah. Where's Kaczynski? And he's like, oh, he's out looking for food. And you're like, oh, thank yeah, God. He's not dead. Thank God. <sighs> and he goes, I'm gonna, and where is he? He's like, two miles down the road. You can go find him. And you're like, okay. And he goes running out there. And he finds him. And they're like happy. And uh, Kaczynski's uniform is all falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> and then an airplane... <laughs> Goes, I want to kill those two guys. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. And drops a bomb near him, and they drop down, and Kaczynski gets hit in the shit. Yeah, and he can't walk. Yeah. So Paul picks him up in a fireman's carry, and he's like, don't worry, right. Kaczynski, I'll carry you back. 
Uh-huh. And then another bomb drops. Right. And Paul, at first, Paul thinks everything's okay because it doesn't drop really close to him. But unbeknownst to Paul, uh, a yeah. bit of shrapnel or something has flown into Kaczynski's neck. And what did it do? It killed him. K- no point in watching the movie Kaczynski's now. dead. <laughs> um, and Paul doesn't even realize it until he gets back nope. to the... Uh, to, to the first aid to hut. the first aid tent, yeah, and and he's like, you know, here, take care of him, and they're like, well, we can't, and they're breaking out their bone <laughs> saw to cut his leg off. Wait, and... wait a minute, we don't need to cut this guy's leg off; he's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> and and Paul's like, no, no, he just got hit in the shin. It's it's okay, and they're like, no, dude, mm-hmm. dude he's he's dead. Yeah, and Paul's like, sorry, yeah, it's, uh, sorry that your only friend. <laughs> <laughs> it died like an hour ago, and you've been carrying. Well, he him still back. has Tajin. Yeah, yeah. They were they were always close. <laughs> and now we cut to another battlefield somewhere. Yeah. And uh, he's sitting there, and he's in a little murder box, <laughs> and he's looking through the little window. What does he see? Steve? He sees a butterfly. Which and which is significant because we, we we didn't mention it, but when he was home on leave, he made note of a, a, a framed collection of of pinned butterflies in his yeah. room, and he he exchanges a line of dialogue with his sister. Like, remember when you caught that one? So the butterfly thing is. Hey, kind remember of, this? I like butterflies. All of a sudden, yeah. Yes, I do remember that. How poignant! It'll get more poignant. Just wait about <laughs> ten more minutes. <laughs> we established it just in time. Uh huh. And and he sees this butterfly. And he tries to reach for it through the little the little gun hole, but he can't reach it. So what does he do, Steve? He goes over the top. He wants that butterfly. Yeah. yeah. And you see his hand reaching for it, and then we cut over to the enemy lines. And what's that person doing? He he looks he looks an awful lot like a sniper to me, and he's taking. He looks a lot like a sniper. <laughs> he's got a scope on his rifle. He's taking aim at Paul. Paul's reaching out for the butterfly, and then the sniper pulls the trigger, and all we see is the 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 final shot is just Paul's hand reaching for the butterfly, and then yeah, sort of, he shot him with a cartoon sound effect. Yeah, <laughs> he gets shot. His hand kind of seizes up and jerks a little bit, and then goes limp. And there you go. Hard cut two. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Hard cut to we see a shot over superimposed over a cemetery. Oh yes, of the yeah of the guys when they first got off the truck. The yeah, very first time marching, they got off the marching off to, the to do their. I, I think the, in the in originally in the movie it's the shot when they're going off to do the wire duty when they first. You know, yeah, that is yeah. that is the shot. Yeah. And as they're marching off, they're looking behind them. Yeah. They're walking away from the camera, and they're looking behind us like they're walking off into heaven. And then the movie's over. Yep. Everybody dies. We've said it before in other reviews <laughs> and didn't mean it in this one. Everybody dies. Yep. The end. <laughs> so, Steve... <laughs> How do you feel about this Sunshine and Buttercups movie? <laughs> All quiet on the Western Front. I think I need to go see a therapist first <laughs> before I can really articulate what I feel. Um, it. I, I first saw this movie, I think, in my late teens. Uh-huh. And it was like a punch in the gut 
back then. <laughs> and it still is. I mean, uh, watching it, watching it this time was the first time in a few years that I had watched it and it still retains that same power. I mean, even though there's a lot about it, mostly just due to the style of the acting, uh, which is very theatrical and not really what we would associate with like a modern film acting style. But other than that, and some other little elements that make it feel kind of quaint, um, for the most part, it still feels really, really immediate and powerful. And um, especially those battle scenes where you mentioned mm-hmm. the, 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 the tracking camera shots and, and yeah. the fact that there's no musical score. And no. and that I mean I guess it's it's tempting for us to credit that as an artistic choice that was probably just as much a technical choice because uh, it was it was an artistic choice because when they tried to when they re-released this film later they tried to put one in yeah against his wishes and for a little while that was the version that was out and he and he said get it rid of <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> because one of the things that that makes that those battle scenes work especially that first one with that famous shot that I made fun of during the summary where the 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 uh the camera takes the point of view of a machine gun that tracks mm-hmm. along and as as the camera as the as it mows people yeah, down and people are just running up to the camera and then f- collapsing cuz they've been shot and killed um yeah. and there's no there's no musical score for any of that. The only thing you hear mm-hmm. are the sounds of the bombs and the guns and the rushing troops and it and that sequence goes on for a while. And yeah. you really get a sense as much of a sense as you could possibly get uh, as someone who's never been there and who's just watching a movie. Mm-hmm. You get a sense of of just the chaos and the disorientation and and why we see these soldiers cracking up so often in this movie because it yeah. is you watch it and you think god how would how does anybody survive this even if you don't get shot how does anybody mm-hmm. make it out of here and still be a, a full whole person and the, how do you not eat for 3 days and then have to fight yeah somebody? and the movie really puts that across and um as i say i mean there there are some parts of it stylistically that you can point at and say you know it it feels dated for this reason or for that reason but but at yeah. its core i think it is still one of the most uh, powerful war slash anti-war movies ever made. And uh, personally, mm-hmm. uh, when we decided to do this one, I was really happy that we chose to do this because it is, um, I think, you know, traditionally when I rattle off like my favorite movies ever, it's it's in my top three or four. I mean, it's one of my very yeah. favorite movies ever, even though it's depressing as hell. Oh, it's hard to imagine that there is a war movie out there that has a less happy uh, ending than Platoon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there is <laughs> oh boy is there ever it has a less happy ending than schindler's list yeah, i know at least schindler's list there there's some sort of grace note at the end <laughs> this one is like nope everybody's dead goodbye everybody <laughs> blackness for an uncomfortably long period of time at the very yeah. end and silence and then the end title card which seems uncomfortably cheerful, <laughs> but they didn't have anything else in stock. They were just like, put yeah, that in there. Just, just end it. I think he probably wanted the, the end part off, too. It was just going to be black yeah. for five minutes while people sat in the audience going, uh, Oh, my God. Uh, do you want some more popcorn? What should we do? <laughs> I threw up in my... <laughs> <laughs> um... <clears throat> Uh, when you say war picture, f- depending on what generation you belong to, you think of a particular genre of film. 
And unfortunately, because of World War II, when you say war picture, there's an entire generation that thinks of the kind of war picture that came out during the war and immediately after, mm-hmm. which was heroic kids doing heroic things. Sure, there were tragic things, but they died a hero fighting for a cause. Right? Yeah. The war picture changed incredibly when we went into World War II because it became a method of propaganda and no one was going to make a movie while we were fighting Germans that was anti-war. Unless your name was Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Um, but uh, in 1930, this was a popular book, All Quiet on the Western Front. And everyone knew that the Germans lost World War One, right? Yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs> and it was an interesting take on war. It was very anti-war. Too bad no one learned anything from it. And while I appreciate the film on a technical level, I appreciate its place in history, I appreciate the themes that run through it, I appreciate the risks that everyone took making this film, there are a few things that disengage me from it. Mm-hmm. Paul isn't the strongest actor in the world. <laughs> Paul's really good at staring and glowering. I could hear that direction. Paul, just stare at stare right behind me, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> like you're a little, maybe a little constipated. Good. Got it. <laughs> but when when it came time for Paul or any of the younger actors to emote or do anything. Mm, they weren't that great. <laughs> These were obviously people who have never really had to deal with pain or discomfort ever. Yeah. So whenever one of them was dying, they were very kind of overwrought. Now, we are at the tail end. We're at the very end of the silent movie era. So there are some of the overacting chops that you can see getting played out in this. Um, wild mugging and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But there are some things that just, you know, play false. When they get Tajin drunk so they can go off and fuck the French girls, he tries to swing at Cat when he figures out their scheme, and he falls onto the table and immediately falls asleep, snoring instantaneously yeah. in that natural way that people That's do. That's how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why Cat is my favorite is because he's the most naturalistic performer in the movie. Yeah. He anchors that film... Um, so that you can kind of say, well, these guys are this way. Be- the guys are, it's not bad acting. They're just, you know, young and easily disturbed <laughs> or whatever. They're, 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 they're too enthusiastic. Exactly. They're too enthusiastic. Um, well, one of the, one of the main things that I love about the movie is number one, this movie is 155 minutes long. And it blows past you. Oh, yeah. It just, it's over, it seems like, really, it's over already? I thought this movie was more than two hours long. And it's like, yeah, well, it moves quick. And that's because it's rapidly paced. They're, they're, even in shots where they're just sitting around not doing anything, they're filling that time with something that says something. Mm. Granted, this movie is saying its themes out loud. A lot. You know, if uh, if a character has some sort of internal thing, he has to meet someone later to tell them what they were feeling at the time. Like the scene that I expressed earlier when he was leaving his friend after he died and he's walking down the road and he starts smiling and then he starts running back to uh, back to the 2nd second, uh, second Battalion. Yeah. 
I interpreted that differently. I had forgotten what it had actually meant. And then he has to explain to his friend what he was feeling. I can forgive that, too. I can forgive bad acting. I can forgive weird mouth kisses between (laughs) parent and child. Um... Some of these shots are, are, are surprising. When uh, Professor Chickenhawk at the beginning of the, the film is inciting his students, when they all start jumping up, we get these extreme close-ups of Professor Chickenhawk in disturbing close-up where he's really giddy and excited. Yeah. And, and also the faces of the other people. I love that kind, of, that kind of filmmaking. We don't get to see that anymore. We don't have that kind of very stylized uh, look to it. But fighting... The dirtiness, the mud, the desolation of the battlefield, the depredations of war. This was kind of a tonic to people who over-romanticize what fighting is like, what war is like. And I think this is the first movie to really do it, right? Yeah. I think so. And for all of those reasons, this is... and, And for one other reason also... This movie is still influencing movies now. There's a lot in this movie that people have either taken from whole cloth and put in their own <laughs> films. All of these characters are kind of archetypes for characters that appear in other war yeah. movies and in other films in general. And you know, I can see I can see we've referenced them as jokes in this, but I mean, I can see uh uh why can't I remember the name of the movie right now? Full Metal Jacket. Oh, definitely. In this. And I can see Platoon in this. And I can see, definitely see, uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan in mm. this, in this film. This movie is continuing to inform and influence film now. And so, while I do find some of the performances a little wonky, <laughs> I think the movie is beautiful. And I think its statement resonates, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those films that I wish weren't relevant anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things when, when I watch it, and especially when I watched it this time, that makes it feel still so modern and and so relevant, in addition to to its message, is its attitude toward war, which is um, it's completely negative. Where there's not even a little bit of, you know, yeah. well, yeah, war is terrible. We all hate war, but let's celebrate the heroism of the people who fought it. No, there's like, there's, there's none of that in here. I mean, like you mentioned saving private Ryan, which has that incredibly harrowing opening sequence, which is, which probably influenced by some of the battle sequences in this. Um, and it's like, Oh my God, that looks horrible. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, but then the rest of the movie is a, is a fairly typical, uh, world war two movie where there's a lot of, you know, dwelling on the valor of the soldiers and the nobility of their sacrifice and, and you know, the sort of the 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 overall uh justness of the war from the American side. Like they're they yeah, it's terrible and it's a horrible war and nobody likes it. But what they're doing is essentially good. And and um All Quiet on the Western Front has none of that. It, nope. the, the the message <laughs> of All Quiet on the Western Front is as <laughs> it's as unambiguously anti war as you could possibly be. Like, no, there's nothing good about any of this. Shut up. Stop talking about the heroism. Stop talking about their sacrifice. Stop romanticizing soldiers and killing and dying. This is all bad. We shouldn't do this. Yeah. Um, and it's rare, even for a movie today in a much more cynical age, uh, it's rare for a movie 
to take that kind of a of an unequivocal hardline stance and say no, none of it is any good. Okay, so Steve, yes, recommend or not recommend <laughs> for all quiet on the Western Front? I guess I'll recommend it. I mean. If you like this sort of thing. Yeah, me too. Surprise, surprise. Jason's recommending another black and white movie from a million years Yay. ago. <laughs> and now's the time where we recommend a movie. Steve, what movie do you recommend this time around? I'm going to recommend a movie that might actually be just as depressing as this one and <laughs> is also a World War One movie and is also a blatantly anti-war movie, I'm going to recommend uh, Dalton Trumbo's film of his novel, Johnny Got His Gun, uh, which was made in... (laughs) Which was made in 1971 from the novel that Trumbo wrote and uh, is is one of the most relentlessly depressing movies you'll ever see. It is the story of a, a young American soldier from World War One who is uh, just catastrophically wounded by an artillery shell. He has uh, his, his legs and his arms amputated, and he also loses his face. <laughs> uh, so he has, he's basically just a torso. This isn't a competition to see if we can out-bummer <laughs> each other. <laughs> Most depressing it's, war it's, picture. It's super depressing, but it is also, like All Quiet, it is also uh, very, very righteously anti-war. Um, and it has, in that way, it has a very powerful message. Um, so if you've never seen it, and you may have seen it, a lot of its footage was used for a Metallica video, uh, for this, for Metallica's one video. There, a lot of the weird sort of old movie footage in that of the guy without a face, uh, is from this movie. Um, so you, even if you haven't seen the movie, you might have seen bits and pieces of it. Um, but it is just a really, really stunning movie. And, uh, again, one of those things that is, is super sad and depressing, but is also, uh, for me anyway, a really, really beautiful film. And sadly, a very, still a very relevant film because it seems like we never seem to learn our lessons with these sort of things. So that's my recommendation. Johnny got his gun. Okay. My recommendation is one of Steve's favorite directors and, um, one of my personal favorite films. And it's also an anti-war film. It's not as bonk bonk over your head as all, all quiet on the Western front, but I feel that it is equally disturbing. Um, it has a higher, uh, it has a lower body count by the end as well. <laughs> and that movie I referenced earlier, that movie is Full Metal Jacket. And, um, if you haven't seen Full Metal Jacket, go see it. But um, be prepared for it. <laughs> because uh, Full Metal Jacket is one of those movies that um, you expect it to be one thing. I fully expected Full Metal Jacket to be a different kind of movie when I went in than what I what I got. Um, it's from uh, over half the movie. I would say about half the movie is boot camp. And it basically tells you that boot camp is just as awful as going to war. <laughs> that boot camp is what turns people into monsters. And sometimes those monsters don't even make it to where they want the monsters to go. <laughs> it's a really great movie. It is classic Kubrick. Um, it's well shot. It, the musical score uh, from a Full Metal Jacket, if you just listen to it without watching the movie, is probably some of the most disturbing music I have ever heard. Um, and I really don't want to tell you too much about it. Um, it has Matthew Modine. Um, 
Kingpin from Daredevil. <laughs> uh, her army early or whatever his name was. I don't remember. Um, bunch of guys and a little girl that shoots guys at the end. Oh no! Um, <laughs> but go see it. It's really good. I have to explain to the viewers right now that I'm in the middle of an editing nightmare because uh, Steve and I do these on Skype, and there's a full 10-second delay between when I say something and he says something. So if we're not over-talking each other anymore, that's the reason why. Right, Steve? Yes, that's the reason why, Jason. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... That's it this time around. I'd like to thank everybody for uh, coming in and listening to us talk about one of the most depressing movies we've ever seen that we really <laughs> like. <laughs> um, and I'd like to remind everybody, if there's a movie that you think you would like us to review, if you're like, oh yeah, you know what? I know a movie that's more depressing than All Quiet at the Western Front, and they haven't reviewed it yet, send it to us. Why not? We apparently like it. So please send us your depressing movie. So long as it's a classic, so long as it's more than ten years old and everyone knows, you know, that's a classic film. Send it to us. Or, if there is a genre, because we're on a genre hunt here, if there's a genre that you think we've missed out on, that you want us to do, then let us know. Go to the Let Me Listen contact uh, website, go to the contact page, and uh, leave the suggestion there. We get them, we love them, we like them, we keep them, I hoard them. I haven't used any of them yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I do love them dearly. Um, and so now is the time where we tell you what our next review is going to be, right, Steve? That's right, Jason. What is our next review going to be, Steve? We're going to do the classic biblical epic, perhaps the biblical epic to end all biblical epics, the Ten Commandments. Oh, I wish it was the last biblical epic yeah. to end biblical <laughs> epics. Oh, boy! So those of you who want to watch the movie before we review it, go out and watch the Ten Commandments. <laughs> All right. I don't know how we're going to do this ending part with this delay. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be super awkward. Oh, boy, is it. All right. For late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. And remember... Our bodies are earth, our thoughts are clay, and we sleep and eat with death. Have a good weekend, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) This show is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to contribute as little as $1 a month to help fund this podcast, please visit our website at www.lemmelistenpodcast.com and click on the Patreon logo. If you can't, or just don't want to, no biggie. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening. <laughs>